Hey, welcome to the H&HR podcast. My name is Heather Taves. And I am Heidi Bolt. And we're sisters. We believe here at the H&H Hour that your ordinary is extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hey friends, welcome back to the H&H Hour. If you're a new listener, we want to say welcome. And if you're one of our veterans, we say thank you for clicking on this link again and joining us. Yeah. Good morning, Hev. Hi. How are you? Great. Good. You're looking fantastic and sun-kissed. You've been in the sun a little bit. Well, summer, so pool. Hallelujah. Pool with the kids is yep. the place to be these days. Yep. So our guest just said they're going to the lake later. Oh. I'm a little bit envious of that. Let's clear our schedule. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, hey, friends, we are we do have guests in studio today, and I am eager to talk about this mm-hmm. topic. Um, it is not going to be a new topic to anybody, right? But it is so important. And so, Heather, sometimes we chat a little bit, but let's just jump right in because I want to give them all of the time that we can today. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so these are our friends, Lawade and Trisha Keaton. And Trisha, we have known you for quite a few years now. Um, but we want to just welcome you both to the H&H Hour. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. So this lovely, amazing couple is married, right? Yes. Yes. Correct. Almost 30, 30 years together. Oh, We'll be married goodness. 28 Eight. in November. November. Yes. <laughs> but 30 years dating and yes. together, yeah. Yes. Congratulations, yes. you guys. Good That's amazing. Job. Three decades. You don't look old enough to be together 30 years. We were children. You were children. We were. <laughs> they were eight when they got together. Yes, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> but very mature. <laughs> mature eight-year-olds. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're so glad that you're here today. Um, we are going to talk about the topic of race. And so you are a black man, Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And Trisha, you're a white woman. Yes, I am. And But before we jump into all of that, everyone listening is like, Oh, okay, this could be heavy, but it's not going to be heavy. We are just going to talk heart to heart, like we're sitting here having a, a drink together and mm-hmm. bringing people into the world as you two see it right now. Um, so before we do that, Wade, would you just tell us a little bit about who you are, your life, your job, your hobbies, all of those good things for our listeners? Yes, I can tell you that. I'm a college graduate of uh, ICC. Uh, I have my associate's degree in surgical technology, which is applied science. Uh, right now, I'm currently uh, doing uh, home medical equipment for OSF, um, and I love what I do, and I love to help people, and every day, I'm not perfect, but I sure do strive to be that way. Yeah. Wow. So. Trisha, you're up. I've been a hairstylist forever, my whole life, since I was 18. Uh, grew up in a small town known him so long I can't remember not knowing him I guess and uh, we have a pretty good life lots of ups and downs but yeah big families and yeah my hobbies are definitely sun and lake lake. those are good hobbies and all the littles that you know yes yes you are such a sweet auntie I don't get to see you uncle very often but I see you in photos and Trisha you just you love on those babies so well I do I I love them they're so cute they're so sweet Okay, so we ask all of our guests the first two questions that are the same. And I love to hear the very the variation in the answers. Um, and then we'll get to your questions that are specific to you. So for both of you, the first thing I want to know is, what about your life feels ordinary? I guess just the everyday grind. You know, get up every day, do your the chores, the dishes. the. So my I feel like, you know, Got married, had kids, bought a house. That's pretty ordinary. Yeah. Our routine, I guess, is pretty ordinary. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I would have to agree with uh, what she just said, but just to change it up a little bit, I would have to say my day-to-day thing is um, love being married, love having my children, love my job, love my career, love life Mm -hmm. to the fullest and the best I can. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, That's a great answer. It is. That's the whole point of our podcast. (laughs) It really is. And he doesn't even know that. (laughs) Right. Okay, so the second question we ask is, what about yourself? What about your life do you think is extraordinary? I would say um, I think the fact that it was so ordinary up until about five, six years ago, and then that whole checklist of, you know, kids, you know, get the house, do the thing, get them through school. And then we were dealt, like, so much insane things that – 
it would take two days to go through. But long story short, a lot of marriage, kids, finances, health, death, Mm -hmm. and the fact that that changed our whole marriage and us is, I think, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Because now the simplest of things seem very awesome, Mm -hmm. which is probably why... I don't know. I, I think my whole personality has changed, and I think you would say that in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think I agree with her uh, a lot of what she just said. Um, you know, so with for her, me, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. But for him, it's kind of different, I guess. Yeah. But that's my extraordinary. Yeah. Is yeah. My relationship with Christ is totally different than it was. Everything in my life is different than what it was. Because so, of walking through hard times. Very hard times. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, and for you, it's... Uh, you know, I was from uh, age zero to 13, uh, raised in the projects, mm-hmm. uh, learned to load a gun and shoot a gun at age eight, mm-hmm. uh, and not for, uh, for protection, just protection for ourselves. Um, me, my siblings, my parents, um, you know, we, we were able to come out of that, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, rise above that and buy a house and dad got us out of the projects and, mm-hmm. Uh, my brother later in life, I had about six more months with him in the home and, uh, he was killed in a car accident. So he disappears out of my life. Um, you know, after that, uh, I was in a public grade school. I went to a private school. Private school was different. I was black minority, not very many, uh, felt blessed in Christ to be there because I knew he had my back. Hmm. So, uh, you know, after that, um, you know, I had, I lost my parents three weeks apart at age 34. Wow. Um, um, a couple years after that, I had a sister incarcerated because of gun violence. Uh, I've been through a lot and I still, you know, hold my head above water and keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for that. I don't, I don't, without him, I don't think I could be sitting here guys. I mean, I've went through a lot. So who instilled that faith in you? My parents, they were true down Southern home believers, Mm -hmm. just true believers. You know, I mean, you could, you could do whatever you wanted to them, but as long as they had God in their life, they didn't let it stand in front of them and say, you're not going to stop us from doing this. You know, we were taught to keep our heads up and keep moving. Mm -hmm. So how many siblings do you have? Uh, Three. Three. Yeah. Wow. And are any of them local here with you still? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And of course there's the one in heaven. So sure. yeah. <laughs> and wow. he's got my back. How old yeah. were you when you lost your brother? I was 13. He was 26. I was the youngest the age group was 61, which is now 61, 58, 55, and then 47. Wow. So I was the youngest of all. Yeah. So, so you're well loved. I was well loved, well protected. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So we're going to get right to the point and Everyone listening knows that over the last many weeks, there has been so much conflict. Now, I want to be clear. This is not new to you. This is not new to this country. Uh, Racism has existed forever, but it's so heightened right now. And everyone is either talking about it or thinking about it or trying to figure out where they fit in. And I'm guessing for someone like you, you guys, where... This is such a big thing right now. This has probably caused a little bit of disruption in your world, I would imagine. Lawade, can you talk about what the last few weeks, few months specifically has looked like for you? Well, you know, it's, I'll tell you what, um, I travel for my job and I'm in and out of patients' homes every day on the daily. I'm meeting a new patient every day Mm -hmm. and treating them with nothing but the greatest care and love, no matter what goes on out in the world, no matter what color you are, you are a child of God and you should be loved. Mm. Um, And that's just simple as that. Um, But, you know, I, I treat everybody the same, no matter what. And right now, today, it's like going up and knocking on Mrs. Smith's door and she looks at me and it makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. What does she perceive when she sees me? Mm-hmm. She sees a black man. Is he angry at what's going on in the world? Is he going to come in and give me that greatest care and love because of what's going on in the world? Well, mm-hmm. I have nothing going on in the world. It has nothing to do with me, yeah. but I have to rise above that. But it doesn't mean I have to mistreat anyone besides that because of what's going out in the world. Because everybody's got a different point of view in life. And I feel very sorry and unfortunate for those people that can't see the value of black lives out yeah. there. Yeah. And it really does matter. Mm-hmm. Did so. you have that same feeling before the last month? Did, did you, when you walk up to that door, was it the same feeling of how is this person going to 
see me. Absolutely. You did. Uh, it was, it, I've had that feeling since, since uh, I started private grade schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started that uh, junior high uh, and went through high school. And I felt that during sports as an athlete, I mm-hmm. didn't get to play because of the color of my skin. And it was unfortunate. Wow. And it was very much not hidden. It was very much out and open. You're not playing because you're a black athlete. You're not playing. Wow. Uh, your your folks doesn't donate to the alumni. Wow. So you're not going to make the team. And if you did make the team, you made the team because there was no way they could cut you off that team because they knew you were greater than anybody else that was out there. <laughs> but your playing time was limited. And it was mm-hmm. – so I felt it even back then in those years. And it, it's unfortunate, I have to say, I, I to wake up, to feel that way every day, you know, to wake up and have an anxiety of what nationality you are is not a most, it's not the most comfortable thing to wake up to. Mm-hmm. Even though you got the people around you, like my wife and her families and all my adorable nieces and, and great nephews and great nieces, I adore them to death. And nothing, to, nothing to do with any of them. It's just the people outside of, sure. you know, that are their race, yeah. you know, and yeah. It's just unfortunate. People who don't know your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, you yeah. can you can't see. You look at me and you see happiness, and I am mm. very happy. Yeah. But when you don't, what you don't see is the inside of my unhappiness. Yeah. It's because of the way we're perceived in the world and treated. Mm. And I mean, I think it, it's just got to end. But will it ever? So that's why I'm, I I got God on my side, and that's all I can do. You know. As a white woman, I want to say I'm so sorry, truly, for how. People that are not white right, 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 of right. all skin color are being right. treated. It is not fair and it's not right. And right. It, it really does break my heart. It breaks my heart to think that, you know, you have walked through this, that your sons have had to walk through this, that your wife has had to see you walk through this. And so in turn, she's walked through it. And it is not right. It is, I know that in heaven, it's going to look so different than people on earth have allowed it to look absolutely and i look forward to that day for your sake because i think that it's the place of honor you're going to receive because of the oppression you've had to face here is going to be extraordinary and i think you could probably add to something as as far as what you've seen with our oldest kid if you want to well i mean just speaking for on the weight's behalf there's been lots of times where he's been judged for no reason other than just we call it DWB, driving while black. It's kind of a joke in our family. Hmm. It's it's not funny, but you got to find humor. Mm-hmm. And so we try to be very aware of stuff, you know, telling our kids, you know, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. We have had those conversations. But when when you first started working at in East Peoria, he would get pulled over about, you know, a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. For what? For what? For driving to work. Driving to work. For just, just for no you're reason, a black man. Yeah, I was a, I was a, a nice, black man driving nice through car. East Peoria at five thirty in a nice car. Yeah. Had was, to be to work at yeah. six o'clock, and yeah. I would get pulled over, and they would look up my registration and ask me if I was that guy, and I'd say yes, and they would say, "Where are you going?" I say, "To work," and they're like, wow. "Okay," and then they would follow me just about till I got to work to make sure I wasn't lying, and I would go straight to work, and it was that way at least. Like you said, a couple times a week, it was so annoying. So did you ever just start joking back and be like, I am a frequent flyer. Like you pulled me over last week. <laughs> well, you learned you, you don't joke. Yeah. Maybe you could. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I could. We could, but they can't. Right. right. Yeah. 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 So was, wow. Yeah. So. Okay. Tell us how you two fell in love. How did you meet? You said you've known each other forever. Yeah. I was uh, coming to Peoria, hanging out with a friend who I met at a salon because I was already done with school. I was 19. And he was trying to date my friend. So (laughs) she said, yep. She said, you're too young, but I have a friend. So then we, he came over and we watched Saturday Night Live. We'll never forget. And then we started dating and he was like, I would say total opposite of any other boy I dated, which I didn't date a lot of boys. I was, I was not into that. I was into my friends and working and, but he was so like, chivalrous and I'm like it was weird hold my hand open doors which should happen right but yes you know at 19 told her I had to be at home because I had a curfew and she was like yeah and I gave him a hard time about it of course he was only 17 so yeah that's awesome yeah (laughs) how do we find some of those right (laughs) exactly he was very much a mama's boy and 
there's nothing wrong with that because they turn into really good husbands, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So tell us some of the struggles that you've, or the challenges that you've walked through being an interracial couple. Um, I think, well, I mean, we got married. My biological father didn't come to the wedding. Mm. We weren't in a great place, our relationship, but he used that kind of an excuse of he didn't Mm. um, approve. So my grandmother didn't come either. But I think we had such a big cocoon of people that loved us that that made it okay, you know. Um, we got a lot of, uh, we'd get the salt and pepper comments, mm-hmm. like when we were out and about. Um, and that's, me and Ivory. Yes, and that's like the 20-something yeah, stuff. I and know. then, I mean, there were little things, but it was always... Well, how does your family feel about Lewade? It was never how does Lewade's family feel about me? Wow. And I'm thinking, don't you know he's the nice one? <laughs> so that always struck us as funny. I'm like, have you met Lewade? But the difference is he's Lewade, but he's still just a black man to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we and I do get a lot of, well, well, I would never think that about Lewade. I'm like, well, you shouldn't think that about anybody. Right. But because it's him, you know, that's supposed to be acceptable I guess which Mm. that's a little frustrating you know but once you get married and you do life you I don't know I don't really think about it every day definitely you do when you're first dating Mm -hmm. and but we have such a group that I don't know something some comments you let slide Mm -hmm. you become more aware of as time goes by Mm -hmm. especially the well it's LaWade like well you shouldn't think that of anybody yeah do you call people out on that like do you do you try to educate them she has yeah <laughs> how's that gone sometimes okay sometimes not received well yeah. but it's hard because it's hard confronting people you love and you know with you know facts that they don't see if it doesn't happen to you you don't see it and it doesn't happen to me mm-hmm. but I see it you know with him and with my kids so it is different it, it's I can't speak for them but your heart, you know, you, you have kids and there's your heart walking around. So you feel what they feel just like with your spouse. So I try not to take it real personal because mm-hmm. I tend to have a temper about that. But mm-hmm. yeah, understandably. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's hard. We, we moved into our neighborhood and a, mm-hmm. a nice little lady walking down the street. Of course, this is only 10 years ago. Okay. 11 maybe. Mm-hmm. And she says to the guy helping my husband move. Oh, I see they sold the house to a black family. There goes the neighborhood. That's what she said? That's exactly what she said. Yeah. Wow. But then she did say to some a good friend of mine who happened to run into her that she thought maybe we were going to be okay because she saw me. And since he's married to a white woman, he'd probably be all right. I was going to ask you that. If you experience <laughs> less racism when Trisha's with you. You know, I'll have to say that that has crossed my mind. I can't read people's mind, but I can certainly try to read their thoughts at times. And we've had several conversations about um, that when I'm with her at the grocery store, let's say, for instance, and we're going down the aisle together and I'm pushing the cart. And and if there's a, you know, a Caucasian lady um, that's turning the corner, I would immediately stop and say, oh, excuse me, ma'am. And she would look our way and look at her and perceived to turn in front of us. But when I'm alone, I get the right of go ahead. And I'm thinking, are you giving me the go ahead because what's going on in this world and you feel bad? Or are you just trying to not be that person that everyone perceives and sees you to be? Sure. You know, so I don't know if they're being sincere by saying, oh, no, you come on through, hon. I don't know whether I should stay there and say, no, you come. So it's yeah. hard to it, it's hard to figure out, you know, but. Yeah. Like I told my wife the other night, we live in such a, uh, the world is so diverse, the diversity of the world. It's, it's like I go to towns for my job and I see little black kids or I see another black couple living in this town that I never would have seen 20 years ago. Mm. So I'm thinking to myself, how can the world still be in such a place that it's in right now mm-hmm. when we are living in such a, a diversity world, you know? Yeah. So Meaning you think there has been change for the better and absolutely. there has been growth in this absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. but yet yet the the yeah, power of hate still yeah reigns yeah okay so i have a question do you think that a lot of this 
stems from the older generation that still has that perception of, you know, like my grandparents were raised in a totally different culture and environment than what I've been raised in. So do you think that a lot of it is still coming from that? Or do you think there, do you think there's a lot of this going on from say people who are my age, 40 and younger? You know, I would have to say that, um, I've, I've seen such a, uh, turnover rate in the um, the private schools. I, I would speak on that behalf okay. that you see more, you know, black athletes now playing in, um, let's say, Peoria Notre Dame. Let's mm-hmm. just say, you know, Peoria Christian or whatever. You see okay. a lot yeah. more out on the courts and on the football fields than you did 20 years ago, 25 years ago, whenever I graduated, than when you see. But I, I think that it does stem from the old school. Okay. And I think that still is heavy on the young people because Uh when I was in high school, it was the same way, but it's still that way, but they're still using them to win those games Uh and help win this championship and all Uh this, but yet they're still not treated equally the way they should. They still question them because of So I I would have to say that I think it's still from, you know, once you get, some gets instilled in you from your grandparents from back in the day, that stays with you. Yeah. And then the only way that changes is, like I said, I've seen a lot of hatred. And, you know, I, I still don't want to go kneel down on someone's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds till they stop breathing. I can't do that. No yeah. way. No matter what goes in the world, I yeah. can't I can't make myself do that. Right. You know, so yeah. right. I think it's still there. And I, I wish it wasn't as strong as it still is. It's just sad. Yeah. Well, and you're right. Hate is is so viral. I mean, it can yeah. be one person or one group that starts spewing it and then it just spreads like wildfire mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people don't even know what they're hating. No. They don't even know why they're no, hating. No. They're just jumping on the, the bandwagon, mm-hmm. the train of this. Mm-hmm. Well, in racism, the root is sin. Absolutely. Hatred is sin. And I, I mean, I really do believe that in, until Jesus redeems what is happening on earth, all sin, it's part of sin. And it's, um, I think it's something that people are so blind to because they think that you know, so many people are like, well, I'm not racist. But then when the opportunity arises for them to realize like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I did just experience that racial thought or feeling like I'm better than someone else. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. until that sin is completely mm-hmm. exposed mm-hmm. and Jesus is able to remove it and convict all of us as a human race, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be there. Yeah. And I wish that wasn't the case. Well, and I think too, with, with his job being what it is, he runs into 90 year old women and men that appreciate him, look him in the eye, love what he does, love Mm. him. And and they don't have any preconceived. And then he can meet the children of that 90 year old and they can be no eye contact. Interesting. Feeling he knows you just know as I'm not speaking for you, but I know, you know, as a black person, you feel it, you feel the judgment. So I would like to think that it's, we're aging out of it, but I don't think we are. And until we become more educated and compassionate and learn from this, I think, you know, we're on the right path, I hope. But hmm. sadly, I don't think it's just old way of thought, yeah. Yeah. sadly. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. what you say about the grocery cart in the grocery mm-hmm. store, because I actually had that thought the other day in this, in this way. And I, and I don't know what it feels like to have someone question my intention in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something I've never had to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a black man, um, paused and let me go in front of him. Mm-hmm. And the thought popped in. And, you know, I was, I, honestly, I didn't think twice about it in the sense of, like, he's black or white. Right. I honestly thought, oh, he's being a gentleman. That's what I thought. Then I thought... I wonder if he felt like he had to because I'm a white woman. And and it's so interesting that you bring that up because I don't know that I just that is not it's not fair. It's no, not no, fair no, that any no. any person of color would have to question right. um what people think their intentions really are. Mm-hmm. You know, where if I stop and pause and let someone go in front of me, no one's going to say did she do that because right. You know, they're just be oh she's she's being kind or she's being polite. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I do it because that's 
the way I was taught. You were taught. Way I was, way, yeah. I was raised that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, my dad was a gentleman, and yeah. that's what I become a gentleman. And yeah. it doesn't matter what color you are. If you're a lady, I'm going to open the door for you. Yeah. I'm going to let you yeah. go in front. I'm going to do whatever. Yeah. Because that's just me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, and I would say that I've experienced more than more than you know feeling threatened ever. I've experienced from white men more being looked at wrongly because I'm a woman and mistreated or made comments about or followed or, you know, go in front of me and let me walk behind you kind of thing. I won't comment on that about that, (laughs) but that is very true because I've seen it. I have a lot. I went to high school with a lot of male chauvinists. Yeah. You, you feel it as a woman. Absolutely. You feel it. It's a different conversation, but it's a similar thing. Yes. Yes. You feel when someone looks at you, like they're not seeing you. We're different, but we're still human. So it's the same concept. Right. It's right. a what devaluing of the So the they're looking human. at my body, they're looking at your skin color Absolutely. and they're going, I'm judging you or I'm yeah. I'm or I'm valuing you based on this. Absolutely. So have you guys had to have I'm sure, but conversations with your sons um even recently about what does this look like for them in society with all of this oppression? Well, with our 23-year-old especially, and growing up, you know, social media is everything, uh, every day, all day, 24-7. He feels a lot of it. Like, he takes it all in. He's very much a sensitive, you know, quick to anger, but very sensitive to other people's, you know, feelings. So he has a lot of feelings about it, Mm -hmm. and it's frustration and anger. And, you know, I know I had a, a, a brief conversation, well, many conversations with him, just asking him about, you know, this, the looting stuff, because people had a lot of really strong opinions about it. Some of them I didn't care for because I felt they weren't hearing people. But, you know, of course his opinion was, mom, it's not right, but I understand it. Hmm. So, and I, you know, I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, our youngest, he's one of those, and you'd have to hold him down, tie him down. And I don't know, Threaten him with his life to get him to share, share his emotions. Nothing bothers him, I no. guess. No, I think it does, but he's he's typical the typical boy. Where our oldest is more going to tell you everything about everything, which I, we appreciate. Yeah. But this has been it's the heightened awareness is a lot for them. It's overwhelming because mm-hmm. it's so much every day. He's coming, showing me every day. Look, mom. Look, mom. Look. Yeah. You know all of this. Yeah. So it's a lot, and I'm glad they have their dad to you know talk with and share his wisdom as an old man and it's just a very positive wisdom you know it's, it's and if i may comment on what she just talked about the looting and the writing and all that stuff and you know will i sit here and say is it right is it wrong there's a whole half of me that says it's right mm-hmm. and there there's a hinkling that says it's wrong because if you look at look at african americans right now we don't have a voice mm-hmm. because if we've had a voice this would have stopped years ago. Mm. We still have no voice. Mm. So we have nothing to show but gang members. We breaking and entering. We have nothing to show for. If they stop and listen to our hearts and see where we came from and where our ancestors evolved from and of release of slavery the first day, we have so much to rejoice for. But when this continued to happen in the world, it's hard. Yeah. I have so much that I, I, I wish, I'm going to be honest with you two ladies, I wish I could get out there and join them, but I have too much to lose. Yeah. You know, I have my wife, I have my kids, that I got to keep my head up above water and, mm-hmm. and, and believe and have faith mm-hmm. that it's going to end one day. But, you know, until then, I think we're going we're gonna to be in this dilemma, you know. And, and right now, if you ask a, a person right now, uh, whether they're black or white, if you say, what was COVID-19? They'll look at you like, what? That's kind of over now. Now we're back on the racism deal, you know. Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard for that opposite race to not feel to do what they're doing because yeah. they've never been heard. Yeah, you know. And is it right? No, it's not. But when's when's it going to be right? Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. What do you need from specifically your white friends and family that is different than what you need from your black friends and family, or is it different? I'm going to be honest with them. I'm I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep it real. And I'm going to say what I need from both sides is understanding, love, listen to me, understand where I'm coming from, and help me keep the faith. Yeah. 
and help me keep believing that it's going to get better. That's what I need from both sides, black and whites. It's no different, you know, because we all got to come together at one point in time in life because we're not going anywhere. Yeah. You know. And isn't that just human respect and decency that we all should have for one another? Absolutely. Regardless of background, you know, uh, socioeconomic status. I mean, I, I mean, we see it. We see it in so many ways that we devalue people mm-hmm. based on where they are in society. Mm-hmm. And that we just, we need to just be better humans. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. what I do on my, as far as my job goes is uh, doing what I do, caring for people every day, mm-hmm. day yeah. in and night out. Uh, I get called out sometime at 2 a.m. to go to someone that can't breathe. And I'm, I'm there to help them. I'm mm-hmm. there to get them going. And yet they still look at me like I'm an animal because I'm black. And it's mm-hmm. just sad because... I'm still that same man. Mm-hmm. I still continue to strive to help you no matter what race you are, yeah. no matter what color you are. I have nothing negative to say about you, period. Yeah. So it, it makes me sad that they can still perceive me as who I am, what color I am, the color of my skin. But yet I still continue to serve the Lord and serve you with good health. Mm-hmm. That's the report I have heard of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've been around Trisha more often because she's been involved in some women's conferences with us. And um, I've been in her salon chair a few times when my chick's been on maternity Mm -hmm. leave. And um, but the reports I've heard of you specifically through your nieces, who are friends of mine, are just nothing but good and loving and and just praiseworthy, like uh, the fruits of the spirit, yeah, which yeah. is who yeah. you are in Jesus. I've known them all since they were babies. Sweet yeah. Girls, sweet girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's, um, you know, I just keep feeling the thought of valuing one another. If we were all truly valuing each other, the way Jesus calls us to race, wouldn't be an issue because we'd be seeing each other for <clears throat> who they are in Jesus yeah, and who yeah, their, who yeah, their character yeah, is. And, yeah, yeah. you know, yes, uh, celebrating the fact that we are diverse and different. And, you know, the fa- I'm like sitting here and like, Trisha, your legs are darker than your husband's right now. You're so tan, right. we always you know, right. Right. <laughs> like, it's right. just right. such an, it's such a bizarre thing that it really is, you know, I mowed the lawn yesterday for the first time with no shirt on trying to get a little sun, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, yeah, but, you know, so. it's just craziness. So do you, want people to talk to you about this? Do you want people to say like, how are you feeling? What's, you know, when you go to someone's house to help them, is it Mm. a conversation that you want to have? Or is it just like, man, are we still talking about this? Hmm. It would be a conversation that I would like to uh, to enlighten them on. Maybe yeah. it would help them understand my next visit when I show up. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's Lewade. He's here. Great. Yeah. yeah. Instead of thinking to themselves, well, I wonder how he's going to be today. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wonder that. Ask me anything you like, and I would be open up and tell you it, yeah. you know, so. Well, and I've had more of those conversations in my salon, you know, because my clients have been my clients forever, so they know us. And But there has been some conversations of, so what, you know, I've, I've never thought of this, and I never thought of that. I can't imagine what this would, so it's been, you know, eye-opening for some people, because if you, if you don't, it isn't in your life on a daily basis. How do you empathize with those? And I think this is shown a big spotlight on, on being more empathetic with mm-hmm. what black people have gone through. Mm-hmm. And some people are really taking it to heart and, and wanting to change and wanting to talk, which is great. And if, if we can change, you know, 10% of people's minds, that's 10% more than, you know, it was five years ago or six months ago. Wow. I was thinking back a few years ago, we, we lived in a different home than we live in now. And there, my son was quite young. So this was probably six years ago. And he, he came running in one day and he said, can I go to the neighbor's yard? And I said, yeah, which neighbor? We had two neighbors that our backyards were right there and they were all fenced in. So it was, you know, just depending on where he was going. And he said, I don't know. I said, well, are you going to Truman's or Emerson's? He said, I don't know. I can't tell them apart. And one of them was very white and tall and lanky, and one of them was a little athletic black boy. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, that is like, he sees them as his friends. He sees them as these boys who they play together every single day, who, you know, he couldn't tell them apart. He, mm-hmm. he didn't know which name went with which boy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought, man, that, 
not to discount like someone's unique cre- creation by Jesus, right, but right, right. that's the point. He didn't describe that them were, by their skin color. Yeah, right. the black one or the white one. Yeah. You know, he, he, he didn't, didn't know. know to, he didn't even know to. He to didn't do see that. the difference. No, he yeah. saw a person. He saw Correct. a person. He saw a friend that he wanted to play with. Yeah. That's yes. what he saw. And yeah. and that I thought isn't that the goal? That yes. yes, we celebrate our differences, but we focus on this is my friend. You know, Absolutely. and we don't say like, oh, well, you, that man who was black or that yeah, woman who's yeah, Hispanic yeah. or, right, you know, right, why right, is right. that a, why is that even part of the conversation? Right, right. Um, right. So I don't know. I just, I think that we, you know, sitting here as two white women interviewing you, what are the steps we take for our own children who are, you know, Heather's got teenager and then mine go all the way down to age four. What are the steps for our children as we're raising up the next generation? You're raising up a generation of sons. What does that look like for them when they're your age? Well, I, w- I would say speaking for, you know, raising kids, we raised our boys to be proud of being black boys. Yes. Um, we may be, and, and we, you know, we're not speaking for everyone, but that's what we did. We raised them to be very proud mm-hmm. of being black mm-hmm. and not, you know, there's a fine line between, well, I don't see color. Well, you kind of have to see, you need to see someone's, where they came from, who they are, yes. and and be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. celebrate that. Exactly. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. we did a lot of that with our kids. And I would just say with your boys or with your girls that to just be aware and be kind and mm-hmm. to maybe empathy, just have empathy mm-hmm. for what, to be aware of and maybe educate themselves on some of the history because it's all there yeah. if, you, yeah. if you choose to educate yourself, you know. There's a lot of reasons why this is all happening mm-hmm. and your kids can learn about it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We yeah. watched a movie for school this past year that was about the Civil War and about um, Harriet Tubman movie that oh, came out yeah. a yeah. few months yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so my kids are 13 and 10 uh-huh. and they, they're old enough to understand like this is a terrible thing that was like, why? and I remember my 10 year old going, why were they allowed to do that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Why were they allowed to do that? Why were, why were they allowed to treat people like animals, yes. to treat people that and way? that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah. But they were very captured by the fact that that, that, was, that, that was allowed. Um, you know, but then also they were like, but then people stood up for it, yeah. against it. I'm like, yeah, yeah but that's what we have yeah. to keep doing today. Yeah. We have exactly. to keep, because it, yeah. it's not yeah. abolished. Yeah. I mean, in one sense of the word, it is, but yeah, not completely yeah. abolished. Yeah. 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 So I think just being truthful with our kids and, like you said, teaching that history, teaching them about kindness and compassion mm-hmm. and um, standing up for the oppressed, no matter yeah. who that is. Yeah. I have, you yeah. know, I have a, a nephew that gets bullied pretty significantly, mm-hmm. and. It breaks my son's heart. You know, he's mm-hmm. just like, let me at him. <laughs> you right, know, right, like, let, right, let me right. go be his defender. Right, and like, that's right, what we absolutely. defend. We defend those who are being absolutely <clears throat> oppressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trisha, do you struggle with fear? Like, when, you're, when your husband leaves 530 in the morning for work, do you ever struggle with fear? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, um, we, you know, we have those talks with our boys and we, you know, I, I worry, especially when things were getting a little crazy here, you know, our mm-hmm. son worked third shift and I, I prayed all night, you know, that he had an uneventful night. Cause I knew he had to be in his vehicle and driving mm-hmm. out, you know, when they're in your own home and they're at home, then you don't worry so much, but yeah. being out and about that is, that's very worrisome, yeah. obviously. And yeah. yeah, we talk about it a lot. Um, I know we had, I had an instance, which I still feel guilty about when he was 15, um, dumb, typical teenage stuff piled all in a car, too many in a car, cop pulls him over. Um, the boys jump and run. Like, Mm. I'm not going to say none of us have ever done that. Just, you know, and the fact that he, I was so thankful that he didn't get shot that Mm. I did not speak up for him when I got there. And he's literally hogtied. At 15. In the back of the police car. I mean, he was a big boy, but still, he was a boy. And I, I still have a little bit of shame over why did I not yell at that police officer to 
let my, you know, he's not going to go anywhere. He has no, you know, he's just a dumb kid who piled And his mom is here now. (laughs) Yeah. Handcuffs will be enough. And I still feel kind of some guilt over that. And and that was not local police, I should say. That was state. But um, I was just so relieved that he was okay that it didn't even occur to me to be mad Hmm. that he was being treated like a real criminal and he was 15 and had just been dumb enough to pile into a car too many kids you know wow. they weren't doing anything else but coming home right, but right. so yeah there's a healthy fear yeah. for both of my boys mm-hmm. and not so much you I guess because I feel like he's been trained enough to know mm-hmm. exactly what not to do which voice to use and which not to use exactly wow. yeah wow. and the fact that he never goes anywhere past dark and that's what she might. work you know he's an old man he's at home all the time and that's where she means i got two different voices yes. i could use the voice that would get me in trouble or i could use the other voice where absolutely i would just be i would fit in with anybody and we talked to our boys about the voice too wow yeah yeah and that's just part of your everyday it's ordinary everyday, life everyday ordinary you don't life. even probably have to think about it it just comes to you naturally you know i know no. exactly what i need what voice i need to use when i call what patient yeah wow absolutely every day huh. And that's that's part that's part of everyday anxiety for me every day. Who who do I have to be today? Yeah. Can I be the black man or do I have to be that light skinned white guy? Wow. That's my question I ask myself every day. Wow. And I and I'm sure when I do speak in, in those words, I'm sure I'm perceived as, oh well, well he's one of us. But if I would say use some slang or some other terms, they would look at me at a total different person. Hmm. Total difference. So you change, you feel like you have to change who you really are in order to appease or please. 110%. Wow. That's what I feel every day. Hmm. I'm not okay with that. No, I, I mean, it's sobering. Yeah. It's sobering. That, it is. That, yeah. Yeah. It's so counter to the gospel. Yeah. You know, and as Christ followers sitting here, yeah, we might have people listening who aren't Christ followers and, mm. um, I can't speak for them, but as Christ followers, it's so counter to who Jesus calls us to be. Mm-hmm. My deepest prayer is that in your lifetime, you do see a shift for the good, mm-hmm. that you do see the churches rising up, the Christ followers rising up, um, just the heart of the human seeing mm-hmm. each other for who we are. We are amazing creations. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, I personally love the diversity of my friends and, and mm-hmm. family members that I have that are not my skin color. I think it's so interesting and unique to see how differently we process things just because of how God designed us, mm-hmm. you know? My husband travels all over the world for his job, and one of my most favorite things to do is to go to dinner, whether they've come here or, or we've gone there, and hear about their culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Hear, and it's different. It's so different. It doesn't matter where you go, if it's, you know, South America or Europe or... And they... Just to sit and listen to them talk about mm-hmm. how they do life mm-hmm. and their family traditions and, and expectations of each other. And I think, you know, we need more of that here where mm-hmm. we where mm-hmm. we value differences, mm-hmm. we value different cultures, and mm-hmm. and we say, like, it's okay yeah. that yeah. we have different perspectives on this. We can still celebrate one another. Mm-hmm. Well, and to not fear it, right? You know, just because it's different, just because, you know, like the first time I went to church where his he grew up in church, I was a little traumatized, mm-hmm. a little <laughs> bit afraid, mm-hmm. but then, then I am learned to embrace it and I loved it. But yeah. to, your first instinct can't just be fear, you yeah. know, well, they don't dress, look, talk right. like me. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid of them. Mm-hmm. So now I'm judging them. So now mm-hmm. I have no empathy for them. Yeah. So you can't just be afraid. You got to embrace, yeah. you know, that's one thing I've definitely learned. And when you're younger, that's harder. Your circle is very much your circle. But I think as we get older, we want to embrace and, right, right. and then that's what I wish kids could figure out at 20 and 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. you know, yeah. embrace that difference. Yeah. Yeah. The sad part about it is, I guess, ladies don't, don't just say the whole, um, is that you got, you know, you got your, your white guys, you got your black guys and you know what, there's a lot of friendship out there between the black and whites. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very happy to sit here and say that uh, a lot of my white friends are on my side about what's going on in mm-hmm. this world. Uh, and I, I'm very glad to sit here and call them my friends. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate it's the ones that don't know me, that want to judge me, uh, who I am. It's very sad because they're missing out on 
something that could be good. You know, and I just want to share yeah. that to mm-hmm. if any of my white friends are listening. That's so cool. I, I appreciate you. Yeah, that's so cool. We had an experience, and um, so we just moved, but in our previous neighborhood, um, there's a couple that lived just a few doors down from us. Uh, he's a black man. She's a white woman. So they have biracial children. Which is the, the norm in the world darling nowadays. darling children you've ever yeah. seen. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but we were asking him the week that this all hit. I actually, um, he, he, the, his wife was walking and I stopped and said, how's your world right now? Are you okay? Like, are you guys okay right now in this mm-hmm. moment? And we had a really long conversation, but she said that it is not uncommon for her husband to carry his license when he goes on a run in our neighborhood mm-hmm. or when he walks the mm-hmm. dog in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I said, like to identify himself. She said, yeah, because people have stopped him and said, what are your intentions in this neighborhood? And I said, I wanted to say, did you say I live in the $500,000 home with the three Land Rovers in the driveway? <laughs> you know, like, right. did you say, and right. uh, like, that's my justice side of, of mm-hmm. feel, like knowing that he's such a good man, raising these great little boys, mm-hmm. loving his wife, like has a great job, loves his neighborhood, loves his people. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. That's the side of it that I think people need to be more aware of. And and heaven forbid we would ever be the one to stop a gentleman in our neighborhood and right, say, what are your right, intentions? Right, right, right. You know? And that's just very sad that you can't even go for a job. Yes. That's sad. You yes. Know? I mean, it's Yeah, I know when horrible. you drive for work, you're always very aware of your paperwork, your license. You keep it. It's very much thought of. Yeah. Double, triple thought of. You get pulled over and you don't have the correct paperwork. Right. That's it. And I'm, I'm already, it's already over for me anyhow, because I feel, because I'm black. Sorry, well, and, you know. I mean, just what, five, six, seven, eight days ago, Nathan pulled into our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. had, he was stopped because his light was out over his driver's license, his license plate. But so, his, so that's a thing. The you officer know. headlight clearly could see his tag and the license plate. Right. So, mm-hmm. But he did. And then he, he saw his, he's like, sir, I live right here. And his license matched his address, which he... Uh, he's never not had our address, right. even though he's stayed in different places. And I think he maybe keeps it that way because, mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say that, but because Seems of where we live, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. because our license matched, his license matched our address, mm-hmm. the cop was like, have a nice night. Mm-hmm. And he left. So, so, but it could, have gone, it could have gone very differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was a different address, yeah. a different neighborhood. I think so. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, guys, I'm really grateful for you having this conversation with us. I feel like um, it could be more than a one-part show, um, you know, and this may be an ongoing conversation down the road as, as you guys navigate this, as we navigate this as a society. Um, but I just felt like it was so important, you know, Trisha, when we chatted about it, to have a conversation to bring some awareness, you know, to specifically white people. We are we are white people. I mean, we've, we've had people... Mm-hmm. Tell us how we should or shouldn't respond to the race subject. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it's been all white women who have had opinions about it. Um, you know, and we were just like, we're gonna we're gonna walk the path that we feel Jesus telling us to walk, no matter mm-hmm. what people think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really strongly like we were supposed to connect with both of you. Um, so I'm super grateful for you accepting our invitation. Yes. Um, and for being vulnerable. And letting us into your heart space a little bit. Absolutely. So I think you're an incredible man. And I think the, the you. way you love your wife is really extraordinary. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you have anything else that's just burning in your heart you want to say? You know, I, you know, I, just a few words. You know, I, I want people to understand, you know, whether it's white churches, black churches, same hearses. Mm, yeah. Same mm. cemetery. Yes. That's from his favorite song. Yes. Same cemetery, of the week. right? You know, <laughs> of the week. Uh, and then I mean, how many more times? Yeah, yeah. How many times? How many more times is a mother going to have to grieve? A mother going to have to cry? How many more lost loved ones are we going to have? How many more times? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, so, that was our biggest thing when this happened. Was we've we've seen this so many times. It's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, we just would like it to end. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we need Jesus to. Oh. Yeah. Shift hearts, don't for we? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Well, thank you. We're honored thanks. that you were. Heather, it was a good chat. Yeah. Sobering. Yeah. You know, it's um 
I mean, I'll be vulnerable and say that when I first had the thought, I actually have asked multiple of my black friends if they would like to share. And LaWade was the first one that was willing to talk about it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's totally okay. I, yeah. I gave them all right. the freedom. Like it's right. not everyone it's okay. wants to be a voice in that. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, um, but I just feel like this is a conversation that mm-hmm. has to happen mm-hmm. because there, there is just so much education that needs yep. to be a part of it. And the goal is, you know, Jesus, let us see people the way you do. And that's part, this conversation is part of that. Well, and the way that you get to know people is by sitting down with them face to face and hearing their hearts. And so I think like, that's our goal. Our goal is never to say like, these are our opinions and we want everyone to know them and hear them. Our goal is to say, let's have conversations so that we can have dialogue with one another. That's how things change is when you get face to face with people and you have heartfelt, genuine conversations, even if you disagree. Sure. You know, and I think to your point, um, back when this started a few weeks ago, we were getting a lot of criticism that we as white women should not be using our voices Mm -hmm. at all. And um, like you said, it was all from white chicks Mm -hmm. that were telling us to be silent about it. And so we went to our black friends Mm -hmm. and said, should we be silent? And every single one of them said, absolutely not. Yeah. No, you know, if you're speaking about compassion and about conversations and about empathy and all that, absolutely not. We now more than ever, we need people to stand up for us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was just an interesting thing to walk through Mm -hmm. where you had, you had the side that wasn't really affected Mm -hmm. being, telling us one thing. And then the side that was being affected, you know, the people that were being oppressed saying, no, use your voices. Well, and this is so different than what, Wade and people of color have walked through, but I felt like I experienced some judgment through that in the, the sense that the specific voices coming against us don't know my heart. Like mm-hmm. they have no idea my history of being involved in inner city ministry in Peoria for years, helping start the Peoria Dream Center, being you and I being kids pastors in an inner city ministry church. Like Because they the hadn't amount, sat down to talk to us. Correct. Right. But the amount of interactions we've had with people that are so different than us both economically, but also skin color wise. Yeah. The fact that we have family members that are a different race. You know, so I think that that is so, that's what we do as humans. We jump on judgment mm-hmm. and we forget about the heart. Right. And I think as I walked through those couple week time frame, and I did, I kind of went inward a little bit mm-hmm. and had to kind of process on my own. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind myself who I was in Christ mm-hmm. despite the judgment. Right. You know, and so I, I had that empathy of like, wow, they, you know, they judge not knowing my heart. That's what we do every day as human beings. We judge not knowing the heart. Yeah. And so that's, that's just my challenge to anyone listening is have those conversations. Yeah. Don't be scared. Don't keep your voice silent. Like go find the people in your life and have those conversations that that's really where we're going to see hearts come together and hate be, you know, bound up and and I don't hell. know if this is right, Lloyd. Jump in if you feel differently, but I don't know if this is right. But I feel like I would rather say the wrong thing than say nothing. Do you think that's you know like, by saying the, by, the question. by saying the wrong thing at least gives us the opportunity to correct you to say the right thing. Yeah. But having a to silent ask. voice, we don't know what you're thinking, so therefore we don't want to pass judgment upon you. So it's better if you do speak, yeah. yes, even if it's wrong, yes. so we can correct you at the time and then have dialogue. Yeah, absolutely, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're out of time. All right, friends. Okay. Thanks for listening. Please share this episode with someone who this can impact Mm -hmm. Um, by you jumping on wherever you listen, leaving a review, leaving a comment that helps the algorithms be able to reach more people. And um, this is an important one. Mm -hmm. So share this with someone that needs it. We'll chat with you next time.